If you will, please. Help me welcome our Emerson recipient, Francis Kelly. Thank y'all so much. Um, this is a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> I want to say thank you to the congregation. I think the first time that I came to a service here, I looked around the room and I saw literally half the people that had ever volunteered on any campaign that I had worked on. And I said, oh, this is where everyone hangs out. Um, so a lot of the work that I have tried to do over the past few years, I've done alongside many of you. Um, and I'm grateful for all that you do. Um, I want to say thank you to my family that's here. Uh, my parents, Kyle and Charlene, my grandmother, Betty Jane Kelly, um, my sister, Sarah, and my new brother-in-law, Alex. Um, and I think that a lot of times when we think about um, individual actions, we look at what one person does but it really takes a community of people and supporters. Um, and I know that I wouldn't do the work that I do without the support of my family. Um, I grew up in a family that took faith very seriously. My grandfather was a Baptist preacher, and I always um, felt the presence of God, believed that in doing the right thing no matter what, and that's because of my parents and my grandparents and how I was raised. And um, my parents have been unconditionally supportive and have had, shown me an example of caring for other people, of quietly doing work, of doing what was right no matter what. And I think a lot of Christian parents may um, you know, say that they want their children to be Christian or to try to follow Jesus, but my parents really meant it because they didn't ever say, no, you can't do that, or you can't sort of follow through on the consequences of what you believe. Um, and they've always supported me and never once said, hey, maybe you should get a real job or, um, you know, think about not spending so much time doing this work. Although my mom can make some very, very compelling arguments about how um, civil disobedience is not really a strategic or effective um, type of action that prison is, you know, really not necessary. So she's very good at, at that argument. But they've been unconditionally supportive. My sister and Alex have been great. Um, I, poor Alex, I crash at his house in Baton Rouge at least once a month, and he's very kind to put up with me and support me and, you know, possibly get involved in certain actions that, you know, his boss at the state might not want to know about. But he's... <laughs> They've been great. Um, and I also want to say thank you to my dear friends, Melissa and Allison, who have supported me through two very difficult years and who have really been there for me. Um, so when Susan told me about this award, she said that it's for someone that's not a Unitarian Universalist um, who does the social justice work in the community. And I think that that's um, maybe why y'all thought of me, because I am very much a Trinitarian and studied that in college. And I think that part of the reason why the um, doctrine, I guess, I don't know if I'll use the word doctrine here, uh, of the Trinity is important to me because I think it's about community, that God exists in community, and that God's existence in community and God's inner relationship and love of you know, the three persons of God is a model for 
God's um, existence in community with us and our existence in community with each other. Um, and so all of the actions, you know, really come from community and come from community support and are about people taking action together and not one person trying to do something by themselves. Um, when I was getting ready to do my first big anti-war protest going to D.C. during the lead-up to the Iraq War, we were actually studying Ralph Waldo Emerson and Thoreau in my English class. And what I remember from that is Emerson talking about consistency and conformity and how he was opposed to both. Um, and he you know, felt that people ought to be true to themselves and to not worry about conforming to what other people think. And I don't think that's ever been a possibility for me to not be a nonconformist. Um, and that can be something that's very lonely um, because while for me faith and social justice have always gone hand in hand and that's how I was raised and that's how my community of the Baptist Peace Fellowship exists, for a lot of times you know, in Christian spaces or in social justice spaces, I have felt like an outsider because it's only been one or the other, but it's not two separate things for me. Um, I want to read a quote from Dorothy um, Zulle, which who is a Christian theologian um, from Germany that I've been reading. She says, from a religious standpoint, the person who does not fight back lives wrongly toward God. Those who not, do not fight back do not believe in love or hope. To live in resistance is what is meant by hope against hope. Um, and I think that, you know, probably a lot of people here know what it's like to feel like maybe you're the only person or to feel like you don't really belong. Um, and we live in a state where, as my friend Melissa and I like to talk about, it's like banging your head against the wall when you try to affect change at the legislature or on the state level. Um, and, you know, we've had a pretty rough few years at the Capitol. We've seen the governor turn down money that would provide health insurance to 500,000 working people. We've seen comprehensive sex ed get derailed again and again. We've seen laws passed to increase the number of people that are in prison and efforts to reduce penalties even for um, marijuana or to do sentencing reform, not be able to get through the legislature. We've seen um, bills passed that's going to close four of the five abortion clinics in the state. And, it's, and the folks here I know have been involved in the fight for payday lending, which has been a very uphill battle. So it's, it's very frustrating. Um, it's very difficult. And I think that without faith, it's very hard to work for social justice. Um, just because if you were to rationally look at it and look at how the powers are lined up, that you know, there, there's no reasonable expectation of success ever. Um, and so I think that you sort of have to believe in the miraculous um, to even begin to, to take action. I want to read again um, from Dorothy Zerle. Um, decisions about possible actions are weighed in a world governed by market considerations, by one and only criterion, success. Questions like the following are regularly heard. What's the use of protesting? Everything has been decided long ago. Can anything be changed anyway? What do you think you will accomplish? Whom do you want to influence? Who is paying attention? Will the media report it? How much publicity will it have? Do you really believe that this can succeed? Sadly and helplessly, many people say, I am with you, but this symbolic or real action is of no use against the concentrated power of others. Questions and responses like these nourish doubt in democracy, but worse, they jeopardize um, partiality for life. 
Behind questions like these lurks a cynicism that shows how powerfully the ego is tied into conditions and relations of power. Martin Buber said that success is not a name of God. To let go of the ego means, among other things, to step away from the coercion to succeed. It means to go where you are nothing. Without this form of mysticism, resistance loses its focus and dies before our very eyes. It is not that creating public awareness, winning fellow participants, and changing how we accept things is beside the point. But the ultimate criterion for taking part in actions of resistance and solidarity cannot be success, because that would mean to go on dancing to the tunes of the bosses of this world. To become egoless, unattached, and free also involves dismissing the agent of power within us who wants to persuade us that given the huge power of institutions, resistance has no chance of succeeding. To become unattached means, in addition, to correct the relation of success and truth. And I think that's something that I've been struggling with for a while um, to, to say, you know, is what I'm doing going to make a difference ever? <laughs> um, and I think that that's something that really paralyzes people and keeps us from taking action when we could really be doing something to stand with others um, in the hopes of, of making, making change. Um, and it's not to say that winning is not important because what we're talking about, the fights that we're involved in, have very real consequences for people's lives. And in Louisiana, a lot of these changes are about matters of life and death. And, you know, will we um, save people's lives given, given the opportunity? Um, but I think that sometimes we're afraid of looking foolish, afraid of trying and failing. Um, and so I think that, you know, brings us back to talking about faith and um, believing in the possibility of the miraculous. So I want to just end with talking about climate change because that is something that if you were to look at it rationally, you'd say, well, you know, we're all doomed anyway. Um, but here in Louisiana right now, we've got um, something going on in the legislature where there was a lawsuit filed by the Southeastern Flood Protection Authority it's trying to hold the oil and gas companies accountable for the damage they've done to the coast, um, drilling canals for their drilling, and their contracts say that they have to fill the canals to prevent coastal erosion, and none of them have fulfilled their, um, fulfilled their contracts, and they sort of have this attitude that they don't really ever have to do it. Um, and so a lawsuit was filed, and now the legislature is trying to take away the authority to have that lawsuit or just do away with it in a variety of ways. Um, and the person that's leading the charge on this is Senator Adley, who's from up here, and who's been a really good ally on payday lending. But uh, the folks in South Louisiana have asked for people in North Louisiana to stand in solidarity for them, with them, because while this does not directly affect us and that our homes will not be underwater, you know, we will not have the damage from the hurricanes, we will not see you know, the place where generations of our families have lived disappear, um, you know, I think that we need to stand in solidarity with folks and say that it matters to people up here and we need to hold Senator Adley accountable. So there will be an action later this week um, to do that, and I will let y'all know details once I have them. Um, but I just you know, want to say that this is something that, um, a chance for us to really show that people up here are paying attention, and it's not just the folks in South Louisiana. So thank y'all. Mm -hmm.